Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dyler Coltman. I am joined by Braden Dyler Coltman and Elliot Tanti. We were off last week for Easter. We are back on the eve of the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Before we get to it, Elliot, I have to ask you, uh, how devastated do you think those poor Canadian women are tonight after being tied 3-3 with five minutes left in the gold medal game? the IIHF Women's World Championship and taking two penalties on the same play, going down 5-3 on a penalty kill and giving up two goals, both to Hillary Knight on the same penalty kill to lose that hockey game. They ended up also giving an, uh, allowing an empty net goal, so it ended up being a three-goal lead. But 6-3, that's the final. They lose the gold medal to the Americans. And it's like, just as you think you're about to go to overtime, your fortunes change. We're not going to talk about this on the show, but this is just a long-winded <laughs> intro. Feel, how do you feel like that? How do you think that feels? I guess is the question. Like how how devastating fun. must that be? Well, it just goes to show you, like these best of one games, everything on the line, anything can happen at any given point. And um, you know, it was I didn't see the play yet, so I don't know how to feel about the calls. And but it was what it was. You got to try and get through that. You can't. And, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of shock and dismay tonight on that team and amongst the, uh, that group, the organizers there. What was weird about it? And again, we're not going to belabor it because it's an extra topic. This is bonus. I coverage. didn't watch it for exactly that reason. Why? Because you were terrified. Of Anything it? could happen, and it, that's what happened. <laughs> oh. Uh, what was sad about it in the moment was it looked like both of the two goals on the power play were like plays that could have been challenged. Oh. One for offside and one for high sticking, and they either chose not to or were not given the opportunity to challenge them. It sounded like the commentators thought that the first one, uh, the coach just waited too long, but he should have challenged it. And the second one looked like a high stick to me at least. But either way, that's how the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. Hillary Knight like got a hat trick in that Oof. hockey game. So congratulations to them. They're, they're a very good program down there. And we know that the Americans and the Canadians have a very heated rivalry in women's hockey. We have lots to talk about today. Lots of heated rivalries to get to, and we will do that now. Let's get to it. Here's topic one. Okay. So the hockey that we're going to all be focused on, sorry, Elliot, are you doing your laundry? Elliot's folding his clothes. This is, I mean, I guess this is an audio medium. We could do this in an hour, Elliot. You gotta finish your load. All right, here's the here. We're gonna play an impromptu game. We're gonna see if we can get topic one done before he's finished folding his laundry. For all of those playing at home, Bra- Braden will keep score. He sped up. All right. Uh, I'll start over. No, what I was trying to say is we are about to have the playoffs begin. We are on the eve of the playoffs. We're gonna do two topics today on the playoffs. We're gonna start talking about our Oilers. They are we are all admitted homers on this show. So if you came here to hear about the Oilers, don't worry, we will get to it right now. If you came here to hear about us, pretend like we know anything about any of the other teams, we'll do that in topic two. Uh, Elliot, the Edmonton Oilers go into the first round of the playoffs against a very familiar foe. We played the LA Kings last year in round one, squeaking out of it in game seven, a much tighter series than uh, any Oiler fan was hoping for last year. Learned a lot about that opponent. Get to see them again here. Now the Oilers go in on an absolute heater, nine consecutive wins, ties a club record. Stuart Skinner plays phenomenally. He taught, he actually broke the all-time Oilers record for wins by a goaltender in a season, breaking the record held by Grant Fuhrer from back in 82 or 3. Check, check that one. 
but the Oilers depth scoring has played really well. The defense has played really well. We saw over the course of those nine games, them win different types of hockey games from behind with a lead uh, from tied with three or four minutes left and including some overtime wins. So we've seen that they are found, they have found a way to win and that's what we want to have. But we remember what happened last year against LA You know, you came out to a slow start, got kind of punched in the mouth in game one and then bounced back with two big games and it went seesawing all the way through. We had to win game six to get home ice back for game seven. Where are you emotionally heading into this first round? Expectation wise that we know the expectations are high as hell. It's cup or bust at this point for this team. Well, it is just, that's what the expectations are to be fair. I think it's cup or bust. I guess the finals is cup. And, and the reality is, I think that that is fair expectations given the talent that's here. We saw Connor McDavid yeah. setting records, all of those things. So, Elliot, I ask you emotionally, where are you? Eve, uh, now, this people listening to this, it's the morning of game and one. And he's finished his laundry, I think. <laughs> we oh. should have made no, that I've still got, quick a pile Can here. we get Jordan's uh, Intro preamble done. <laughs> done before? There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, quick, there's still quite the pile here. How am I feeling emotionally? Uh, pretty good. The Oilers are a better team than they were last year. LA might be a better team than they were last year, but I'm not. I'm not convinced of that. Uh, I think we saw we played them down the stretch here twice, two really hard-fought games, but two games the Oilers managed to squeak out and win. Uh, all that stuff about how hot the team is going into the playoffs, though the year that they've had. I mean, it's new season. Like it, the, the season's over. It's a completely new thing now. Playoffs, uh, and it's going to be game by game by game. And that's how we're going to all live and die for the next however long this goes for the Oilers. Uh, so I'm prepared for that. Um, I'm just not putting too much stock in how hot the team was going into the to the end of the season here. I, I think overall the Oilers are a better team than they were last year. And so that gives me at least somewhat confidence uh, that they are going to win this series. And frankly, they're the favorite. So that's the place you want to be. So uh, I'll ask you the same question, Braden. Emotionally, you're going into game one of this series all of the preamble aside how do you feel about it happy i feel happy that we are here at this part of the season again we are facing a familiar foe this part of the season again um and yeah they i think this is there they've put themselves in a very good position uh at the deadline and beyond the deadline, which is what all teams want to be doing moving into the playoffs. Uh, there are some very, very good teams out East that I think for any team in the playoffs would be nervous about, but we wouldn't have to face that. And and we would only have to face one of them. <laughs> so I think, I think there's a lot of really great things that um, uh, just kind of play into the Oilers I th- like all of it moving into the playoffs, the schedule, the the way that the depth is there, the way that the health of the team has maintained uh, in the latter half of the season. Frankly, most of the season, uh, some of those important players have, have been able to focus on scoring points instead of um, getting back from injury. So I, I'm feeling very happy. Well, there's one player that is the exception to that, and that's Evander Kane, who obviously was absolutely critical for the Oilers last year against the Kings and loves to beat the Kings. He's played really well against them with the Oilers. He played well against with San Jose numbers wise. It's one of the teams he seems to get up to for to play against. So 
the question is, where do we think this, how do we think this team approaches this first round? We know that these two teams match up well uh, as far as they're both offensive minded teams, but that can play defense LA definitely more so than, than Edmonton and LA defensively all season. And in the, in the three games we saw and in, in last season's first round series matches up really well defensively. They know how to set out guys to shut down Connor and that secondary scoring will be important throughout a full series, right? Obviously there's going to be nights when Connor gets through and makes big plays. And we know that Leon will do the same, um, but they're going to be physical. They're going to be at them. Um, what do you think the X factor is for the Oilers, Elliot? What do, f- for them to succeed in this year's version of this matchup, uh, what must happen? Uh, their defense must remain healthy. Uh, if there's any, the, the team is much deeper than it was last year. Um, but where there, where there still is a struggle is defensive depth. I like the six last seven guys that they have right now. But if you run, you know, you start running into issues, uh, one of the top four guys, God forbid, faces an injury. That's going to be really difficult for this team to overcome, and that's probably the greatest weakness there. Uh, you know, what's the X factor on that? I think Matias Ekholm. I think that what he brings to the back end, the stability, what we've seen him do up until this point and how he's fit into this team uh, really is what makes this a really, for me, like a very, I feel a lot different going into this series than I did last year. I think last year I picked LA and was almost right. Uh, this year, I feel very confident picking Edmonton, and uh, it's just because of that, that him and the other additions with the deadline as well, too. So I'll flip it around for you, Braden. Play the devil's advocate for me. What's the X factor for LA? What does LA need to do to shut down these high flying Oilers right now? Um, frankly, it would be the same answer that I would give for what the Oilers' X factor is, and that's goaltending. I think that the the Oilers have the well, one, for a fact, they're the number one one team in the league for goals for. Uh, so the you know, <laughs> and they did they did add a very good goaltender against. Edmonton in Corpus Allo, um this year specifically. He's a great goaltender. I think uh, who's the other guy? Phoenix Copley has been having a pretty special year too. So the only the only difference, um, well, there's no difference, I guess, because Skinner hasn't had that much experience in the playoffs. But both all of those goalies are are young. They're all um, you know, Corpus Allo's not a rookie, but he's still a very young goaltender with not a lot of playoff experience. So I think that the goaltending has to be really solid for LA to have a chance at. Um, slowing down the 158 point score yeah and I, beyond i agree with you i think that that's a critical thing for both teams obviously you need Stuart skinner to play really well the factor for the la last year that really kept them in the series early after game two and three where they were still pummeled was that jonathan quick had that experience to be able to bounce back in games four and five um and they obviously won both of those games on his back in many ways now you have drew dowdy healthy you have some depth that's there Guys like Dursey are going to be a factor because they're physical, they're big, they're going to make it difficult in the middle. But the real big question is where can the Oilers expose LA's sort of vulnerabilities? And I think the biggest thing is if you can get up on this team early and get them chasing, then the game will open up to the Oilers' benefit. If it's a tight one or two goal game like we saw recently against them, we can see that these two teams can check each other into the ground and they actually match up very well in in, in some ways that way. LA is not a very fast strike team. They like to set up on the cycle and that's hard when you've got guys like Ekholm and Bouchard playing really well right now in terms of breaking up cycle and moving the puck. Even Nurse has done really well since Ekholm comes in. And I think that a lot of people have obviously talked a lot about 
the impact of Ekholm. But I would make the argument that Ekholm was three for the price of one mm-hmm. in so many ways. You lose Barry, and yes, that's a high price, yeah. and including a first and what you give up for him. But when you get Ekholm in there, not only are you adding an absolute blue chipper, number one first pairing defenseman in the NHL, one of the top guys of his generation in terms of how he's played, really. He's got to be in the top 10 of his grouping of players and steady and calm, not flashy, not up there like a William Carlson making a bunch or Eric Carlson making a bunch of noise on score sheets, although he has put pucks in the net, but he plays defense soundly like Chris Pronger did, like Jason Smith did, like guys we've seen in the past when they have had success, right? The big difference is that he has awoken something in Evan Bouchard He's become a steady partner that has allowed this younger player who at times was kind of erratic in his play to really stabilize. He's played fantastic on the power play uh, and in his own zone has gotten a lot better defending. And then the other player is Darnell Nurse has had a lot of his minutes um, reduced in healthy ways. Not that Darnell couldn't carry those minutes, but he couldn't play, I believe, to his truest potential. (laughs) He couldn't play to his truest potential when he was having to be out there for over 30 minutes a game. It was ridiculous. Now he's able to share that workload and it makes when he's out there, him a lot more effective with a player that's just as intimidating as him. Agreed. You know, that's, Agreed. The, that's the nice thing. That's the value. That it's not, you're not, you know, yeah. easing off of something and getting something different. Like, you know, Carlson would have been a different kind of a, an addition than I think at home brings he, he's a remarkable passer. And the fact that he's, he looks terrifying as a man, like he's a beautiful man, but a, terrifyingly intimidating person on the ice so that it's great you're right uh i've got two more questions for us as we wrap up this segment the first one is this uh who preemptively you have to put some money down on who you believe is the first round fernando pisani who is the unsung hero for this oilers team who could it be now last year Mm. obviously kane overachieved with what his expectations were but he's a top six guy he should be performing at that level so it's not him but who is the guy you look at on this roster who has a chance to have one of those breakout playoff series where you know he pots two or three over a couple games one of those games where it's just not flying for mcdavid and dry saddle this guy's able to get in there who who would you put your money down on elliot Buke said 100%. I think the size that he brings, he's built for the playoffs. I really like his addition. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's scored 17 goals this season. Like, there's no, but he's a bottom six guy. There's no reason why they can't be looking to him to add some additional depth. And he might be uh, one to watch, I think. Braden, who you got? I think it's going to be, uh, well, I, I, I would love to see it as one of the depth forwards, but I actually really want to see it be uh, Evan Bouchard. I actually want to see our our um, power play be as successful in this playoff round. Um, Evan Bouchard. He's man. going in hot for he's sure. Going in really hot, and he's in a position now too to be on those you know um, uh, odd man. Well, I mean, if you're if you're Todd McClellan right now, the number one thing you have to be preaching in every pregame is discipline, discipline, discipline. You cannot take penalties against this team. It's just not. They know that. They know that for sure. I will, I will round it out and I'll say it's Matthias Ekholm. Who's who's scoring goals? No, Matthias Ekholm. Janmark. That's what I meant. Yeah. The other Matthias. Yeah. Janmark. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Yanmark has played really well in the last couple of games, yes. which was means it's a great place for him to go into the playoffs. But I also think that like he represents something that is an unsung part, I think, of this team. Uh, but recently actually has gotten a lot more attention, which I think is important going into the playoffs, which is that one of the things the Oilers struggled with for so long 
because of just how they were built was that your depth was often young inexperienced players yeah and we have seen the value of having experienced depth Get older guys middle-aged guys and i mean i mean like 30 year olds but the guys that are at the midpoint of their career where they have had enough experience to be able to hold themselves through difficult patches in the season and then still find productivity when the opportunity is there right i think that when you look at it and you and you compare it to teams we saw in like the mid 2010s where your depth was all either rookies or guys who had basically been found on some beer league team because that's all they could manage to get on this team we're talking yanmark we're talking uh devin shore when he's up Warren Fogel even, who I think also has more ceiling than he has gotten to. How many breakaways has he missed on? But those opportunities are there because he's putting himself in the right positions. He's fast. He's strong. He's physical. Derek Ryan, Bukestad now. Even a young guy like Clem Costin isn't as exposed because he's surrounded by veteran players and it's making him a better hockey player. And I think that that is a great benefit the Oilers have. They have never had in recent history in terms of that level of experienced depth and i think that that's why i think yanmark could really jump out and be a uh a breakout player here in the playoffs he's going to be in opportunities you're going to have opportunities because when the other matchups are focused on those top two lines and that third or fourth line comes out to generate some energy after a penalty kill or something like that they're going to get chances and we've seen they can bury them okay final thing here we'll do this in the next round for everybody else but we have to do it now you got to make your picks here i think we're all in consensus that we have the oilers the question is how many games do you think it goes elliot first off is the laundry done you can't even see him okay laundry's done okay good well done congratulations when's the next load up uh no we're that this is it we're done for the night okay great all right uh what was the number you gave me five five uh break it down for me who wins game one and how's the series go I think you got to give the, I think if the Oilers win the two at home, they probably split back in LA and then they're back in Edmonton for game five. And that's a celebration game. That's what I see it. That's how I see it breaking down. Uh, I'm, I think at first I thought five as well. um, But I actually think that they're going to be um, by the end of the week, which is when Elliot needs to do his laundry again. And so I'm, I'm predicting a sweep and I'll break it down for you. The Oilers will win the first game. And then they're going to win the second and then third and, and the fourth as well. Nice. All right. I'm going to go with six. Uh, here's my logic. I think that they win. I think they uh, split the games at home. I think they, uh, I think they win the games on the road. I think they lose at home and they have to go back to LA to win it in, in six. That's what I think. So I think it's a bit of a seesaw thing. I think the Oilers get up in the series and the LA Kings just don't go down without a fight, but we'll see. All right, that is topic one. Topic two this week is brought to us by Ellipses Thinking. Ellipses Thinking is the newest podcast from the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Host Greg Dallar coltman shares his conversations with people actively engaged in their own creative adventures, those who identify as artists, and those who choose to experience life through an artistic lens. They shed light on relationships that shape and inspire us as we meet the challenges, discoveries, and learnings we make when we courageously invite our creative spirit forth. You can subscribe or follow anywhere you get your podcasts. We're going to rip through this here because there's obviously a lot to talk about. 
Uh, we're going to talk about the rest of the playoffs, the rest of the matchups, and we'll do a really quick sort of round the, the league. I guess the, the easiest thing to start here is of all of these matchups, and I can run them down if you don't remember them all, um, uh, um, but I'll assume you've done some homework. Uh, of all these matchups, who, which series outside of the Oilers are you most intrigued by or most sort of interested in seeing how it plays out? Brayden. Well, the Winnipeg Jets kind of snuck in. So I'm curious if the Vegas Golden Knights get complacent and we have a pretty um, heated battle there. I think, you know, Tampa Bay and Toronto have been tied together for quite a while now that they're going to be facing off together. I mean, Boston, that that's they've had a absolutely career, or not career, but uh, record-breaking season. And so um, it would be surprising to see if that – can maintain itself in the playoffs. I don't see why it wouldn't, but crazier things have happened in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Elliot, any of these series jump out at you? Intriguing storylines? Oh, yeah, it, it has to be Tampa Bay, Toronto. I mean, if Toronto's not able to do it, there is so much riding on that series for Toronto. Um, and it's just like kind of the worst possible first round matchup for them, all things considered. Um, so that's going to be the one to watch, I think, is Toronto, Tampa Bay. So I have a, I have a, not a, not a conspiracy theory. It's not, that's not the right word for it. I have like a theory, I guess, or a hot take or a, it's a premise I have here and I'd like to run it by you. Is it not in the Oilers best interest for the Maple Leafs to go on a long run here? Because it takes a lot of the national media pressure off of the Edmonton Oilers and the expectations that are already there. Now, obviously the local media is still going to be all over this, but there's such expectations on the Oilers that if all the attention is drawn towards some kind of run by the Maple Leafs here, let's say they get through Tampa Bay, they're into the second round and they're up in a series or something. Let's say they even get to their own Eastern conference final. Now, obviously none of us want to face Toronto in the finals because that kind of media circus would be insane. But let's say they got at least into the second round here for the first time and all the focus is on them. Doesn't it just at least take some of the extra pressure off the Oilers to have the Maple Leafs be the, the sort of the shield? Well, just just the distraction because all TSN or all Sportsnet is going to talk about is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So at least from the Oilers perspective, they get to fly a little bit more under the radar, don't they? Uh, yes and no. I mean... I don't think anyone's not going to be watching the Edmonton LA series while well, Toronto plays Tampa in the first uh, round. I do hear what you're saying. I think the firestorm and the craziness around Toronto would probably um, <laughs> maintain through the second round should they lose. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's there's something to that. I I don't know. I I, I don't know that there's going to be any like there's going to be craziness around every Canadian team that's in the playoffs. Uh, I only ask Elliot because if you were to pull up TSN right now, you wouldn't know until about the seven or eighth scroll of your finger that the Oilers were even in it. In fact, the first story about the Oilers here on TSN is that they've signed Dean uh, Deneen to a one-year contract at, at a minor league level. Hell yeah. We need that. But there's, we needed that. there's literally no coverage. They've got one story here about the Jets, and then they finally get to it where the, where the headline is Oilers enter playoffs with similar confidence to last year, right? But that is after eight different stories and or videos about the Maple Leafs. So I'm just saying, if you want to at least keep those, you know, a little bit of the heat off, I don't know, maybe it's a, to your advantage. Yeah, I mean, it's, or, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that wasn't the that 
I digressed. So let's go through these series really quick here. Just give us your thoughts and, and perspective on them and we'll make some picks. So first up, we have the Islanders and the Hurricanes. I say first up just because that's when the games start tomorrow. So I'm going in order of appearance here. Uh, their game starts, their series starts tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific time. I'm going off the, my phone. So that's where we're at. Um, so what? Uh, that's like 7 p.m. Eastern uh, Islanders hurricanes. This is an interesting one from my perspective, because again, these are two teams that have uh, recently kind of gone through rebuilds and are at the point where they're really, there's real question marks about whether or not it's going to work with the kind of core that they've both built. Obviously the hurricanes have a lot of young and exciting and explosive talent, but you know, can they put it together? So uh, I'll go to you first, Elliot. Do you want to make a pick in this series? And if not, I, well, that's kind of how the, that's what this segment is. So you have to make a pick. So a number of injuries, key injuries to Carolina heading into the playoffs. So I think they're down on a bunch of people's lists. But yeah, I, I just, Rod Brindamore is just too good of a coach to give this one up easily. And I think this might be an upset. I, I think a lot of people are going to assume that the Islanders are going to run right through Carolina. I don't think it's going to be that easy. I'm going to take Carolina in seven. Did you just, I'm going to digress again, because I think it's interesting. Did did any of you catch the conversation that Rod Brindamore recently had with Elliot Friedman about refereeing? Did, yes, did you 100%. see that, Brady? So I'll just, I'll give you the close notes. I think it's worth listening to in full, because he, he obviously describes this much better. It's his idea. But he had a conversation about how he felt like every single penalty should be video reviewed. And obviously, Elliot Friedman was like, that should take forever. He goes, no, not in the system that I'm proposing, which is that you have Check one referee on the ice and you have two in the, box. In the penalty box on video monitors. Yeah. And when a penalty is called immediately... Uh, you, or or when a goal is scored in either of those two situations, you have immediately those two referees watching replays that are fed to them instantly. And the same way we at home are, right? We're immediately all being home coach, coach referees. The referees only get to see the reviews if there's a challenge. Whereas in this situation, every single one of their calls would be given a second opinion. And those referees could make those judgment calls immediately. Maybe you go to a commercial timeout, which often happens anyway, but they would there would be a time limit. They make a decision and they could jump in and say, actually, no, the call's wrong or there is a penalty on that play. Uh, they also would be able to jump in. His, I think his actual first premise was there wouldn't even be a referee on the ice. They'd only be watching the videos and the linesman would basically be the only two guys on the ice. Also, a lot less, a lot more room on the ice, uh, a lot more, less like, in, you know, strange bounces off of skates and stuff. But the idea being, well, they could still jump on the ice if there's like a melee, I believe was his language to in, like intercede in a scrum or something. Anyway, something to think about, something to look at. Maybe we'll have a further conversation about re-refereeing later. But uh, Elliot takes the Hurricanes in seven. Braden. I think the Hurricanes in five. Again, the Islanders just snuck in there. They're a pretty good team right now, but I think the Carolina Hurricanes are in a position kind of like Colorado was in last year. Um, Thank goodness Elliot finished his laundry. Now he can keep score for us. Um, uh, I will take the Islanders. Um, I don't know why. I just, I have a feeling the Islanders, uh, look good and feel good this year. They're just, they're, they're, they're a team. I like, I think the hurricanes are really good, but I have a feeling they might be one of those teams at this stage just is a little bit too big for them. There's just some weird pieces. And they yes, he pulled Yeah. Pulley yeah, Pooley he plays for them. So I, I think know. he's gotten zero points. Uh, since yeah, probably. Uh, all right, let's, uh, oh, and I'll take them in. I'll take them in five. No, I'll take them in six. The hurricanes aren't going to go down without a fight in here, but I think that that's, that's a flaw for them. I don't, I couldn't even tell you who the hurricanes goalie is. What is it? Ranta? Uh, Who's their goaltender? Yeah. Uh, 
Ooh, exactly. So I don't even know who well, they're. Kochetkov that... is their young rookie guy. Who's okay, so I'm not players. sure. I'm not sure. All right, let's go to game two up on the schedule. Oh, Freddie, Anderson. F- Freddie Anderson's their goaltender. Oh well, that changes everything. No, it doesn't. Uh, 4:30 p.m. Pacific. That is 7:30 p.m. I don't know why I'm saying this. Like, I'm assuming there's Panthers fans who are wondering what time their game starts while they're listening to this podcast from out west. There's a lot of Panthers fans in. Uh, Bruins in- Panthers. Uh, we've already kind of touched on it. The Bruins, obviously. I mean, they set an NHL record for uh, points in a season. Pretty pr- prolific uh, and pretty impressive. I believe they lost less than 20 games on the year. Uh, 13, I think, in regulation. Pretty crazy. Amazing. Both goaltenders hot. Both uh, both goaltenders playing really, really well going into the playoffs, which is obviously something you want. But it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that. I mean, obviously, it's all Mark's net. Yeah. But if they, he gets hurt, they've got a backup guy. The question is, as Elliot said, you have a whole new se- se- season here. And I mean, anything can happen, but is it possible the Bruins are losing to the Florida Panthers? No. And Matthew Kachuk, <laughs> no. Braden, who, 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 and how Bruins many? Bruins four. I think the Bruins have a date with the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> All right. And a game seven win <laughs> in the second round. Well, wow, we're already getting there. Okay. Uh, we'll be a few weeks from making that prediction, but we'll game write it down anyway. So we're ready for it. Uh, Elliot, you want to, you want to take the Panthers? No. But I'm not going to take Boston in four. I think it's going to be Boston in six. And this is going to be a lot closer series than you guys are anticipating. All right. I'm going to take Boston in five because I think they lose game one and everyone panics and then they shut it down. It's some weird fluky goal. Like it goes in yeah. off of like Bergeron's nose or something. Like yeah. literally like just a weird last minute mistake or something. And then they everyone goes oh my god look boston's paper thin and it's like no they're fine they're really good just got a good team too yep okay uh game one of the wild stars goes 6 30 p.m pacific and that makes it 9 30 eastern wild stars these are the this is the battle of stars because this is the former north stars city in minnesota uh the dallas stars obviously used to be minnesota for those uh really long in the tooth here, but we know what the Dallas stars did last year against the Calgary flames. Obviously they lost in round one, but Ottinger was unbelievable and had a lot of, uh, of an impact on how that series went. I believe either six or seven games, the flames like could barely get a goal in on them. They were winning one by one or two goals at max. The wild scrappy, messy team we saw that just absolute melee of a game against winnipeg near the end of the season when they were when winnipeg was scrapping to try to get into the playoffs this could get ugly this could get physical but the stars are you know the stars are what second in the division yeah and led the division for a long time so elliot who do you have there minnesota or dallas you know i took minnesota last year they broke my heart and because I said, well, this is their, I, what I said last year was that that was their final season to have ever chance of this. And it seems like they're better this year. Um, look, I, I'm a sucker. I'm going to take Minnesota, but I'm going to take Minnesota in seven. You sucker. Well, I like that because I think you're right. I think that last year they were really good. I think they're good this year. I don't know if they're as good, but they have one thing clear that they were unclear of last year. And that was who their goaltender was. This is Marc-Andre Fleury's team right now. And I think that they're just going to go into this playoffs a little bit more comfortable. We'll see what happens. But I would also, I put a lot of weight on the physicality of the series. I'm not sure the Dallas stars are as, uh, I think the Dallas stars are right at that teetering point before being a rebuild as their veterans kind of age out. 
right? I think this is, if not the end for Jamie Benn, it's got to be close. Like he just, close. he's, but, and yet they've been playing really, really well. So I'll take Minnesota in six. Same. Nice. I know actually for a different reason than both of you. Um, they've got an influx of young talent that have been very good this year. Matt Boldy is a um, constant point producer. Um, I think if they can shut down Jason Robertson on the, on the uh, Dallas stars, like I think he's in the top five. He took Huberto's spot in the top five of scoring this year. Um, there's going to be a high offense, high offense. I predict in that series. Okay. We'll skip the Kings and Oilers. We've made that pick already, but they play 7 PM Pacific. It's 8 p.m. Edmonton time. And we have the Rangers and the Devils on Tuesday, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Rangers-Devils. Here's a fun little battle of the, you know, New York, New Jersey interstate. Two classic teams that have had some success over the years. Big, very loud and excited fan bases on the East Coast. What do you think? Is this the year that the New York Rangers get through uh does this team that's got all of this talent up front and this fantastic goaltender in the back finally put it together and start to do a little bit of you know they haven't been deep deep in the playoffs since they went to the finals against the kings about half a decade ago with a very different team but we're talking panarin we're talking kane is there now we're talking sabanejad we're talking about this fantastic goaltender in shesterkin you know, Fox is on the back end. Like, this is a really stacked team in so many ways. Lots of talent there. But they're up against the New Jersey Devils, who, like you said about Minnesota, young, exciting hockey team. Jack Hughes playing out of his mind. You know, a team that, again, just found ways to win throughout the year. What do you think, Elliot? New York or New Jersey? I'm going to take the Rangers because I low-key have Rangers winning coming out of the East. So I will take the Rangers in... Five. Yeah, I would take the Rangers in six because I do think that Devils team is going to make it a little hard, especially at home. Yeah, I got the Rangers in seven. I think this game goes, this series goes all the way. I think that the Devils might actually get up in this series and the Rangers will have to really sort of buckle down and win it. But I think that they have the horses to do that. All right, let's jump to the, you know, obviously the most important series in the country according to all of the media outlets. We've got the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. They go 4.30 p.m. Pacific. It's 5.30 p.m. Mountain. And I don't even know. Uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I'll be there. Yeah, the Leafs and the, and the uh, Lightning, what, part four? How many How many first-round series in a row have these know, two teams had to play care. each other? The Leafs are in the playoffs? Yeah, three in a row, I think. This is their dragon, right? This is that. It's like the Vancouver Canucks faced and lost the Blackhawks like four times in a row. In so many ways, if the Maple Leafs can beat the Lightning in the first round here, they're, they they should be set. They should be ready to go because they've done the hard job. I'm just saying. So uh, obviously that's the storyline. That's the expectation. And I think that there's a lot of people's jobs on the line in, in Maple Leaf land to make this work. Dubis included. They made some big swings. The huge swings. And you've got you got a lot on this on the line. And there's always a lot on the line, but this team has not been out of the first round, what, in a decade. So they're looking for that opportunity. Elliot, who do you have here? Is this the Leafs year or are the Lightning still just that unbreakable Goliath? Oh, I hate betting against uh, Tampa Bay, but I think I'm going to take Toronto. I think this is the year they do it. And I think it's actually uh, not close. I think I'm going to take Toronto in five, and people will start planning the parade. 
I am also taking Toronto as much as I can stand the least. Uh, but I have a bit of a, a, a nice kindred friendship that I'd like to maintain at the moment with a, a new friend. And uh, he's a he's a Leafs fan. So I, I think they'll get nobody's the perfect. I think they'll get to the second round. And I think it'll be a long, drooling seven games, physical. They're, they're going to be shivering come the second round. Would you say seven games? Seven games. I have the lightning in six. Yeah. I think the Leafs get up. Nope. And then they lose. And they fall down. Four straight. Yeah, it happened. Oh, that's so brutal, dude. <laughs> That'd be insane. And I think they that this is a series that goes one. to a couple <laughs> games. There's a couple overtime games in this. I, the thing for me is there's still like oh. this massive X factor in the fact that the greatest goalie alive, the greatest goaltender on the planet right now, plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm. And in the playoffs, we all know that a goaltender can steal you a series. And I really think that even though a lot of the lightning players forwards and defensemen are longer in the tooth and have had a lot of miles on the odometer. Vasilevsky is a different animal. He's still a beast. And I think that the Tampa Bay lightning, as much as Toronto won't want to admit this, they live rent free in their head. This is, this is a psychological warfare as much as anything else. And if Toronto gets up early in the series and they get a little bit confident and that foot comes off the pedal, just a little bit like, come on, this is the Tampa Bay lightning we're talking about. Jets, Golden Knights. Uh, as Braden said earlier, Jets sneaking into the playoffs, wildcard team. Golden Knights holding on to win the division at the end. Pretty good hockey. Yeah. The big thing here is that apparently there is going to be an NHL investigation into the circumstances surrounding Mark Stone because there was a memo sent out just before the trade deadline, yeah. making it very clear that the NHL was going to start to crack down on teams that were using LTIR. Uh-huh. to bury cap the way that we saw with the Kucherov situation yeah, sure. a few years ago. Very convenient that the day after the cap is null and void and not necessary for the playoffs, Mark Stone is magically healthy. Now, obviously serious back injury, had surgery, but very convenient that he is healthy and ready to go game one of the playoffs. It, exactly. So it's the NHL is going to look into that. Now, that won't affect anything this year. As we all know, leagues don't actually like to implement rules that affect teams in the moment where it actually would be a justifiable and actual, you know, real punishment. Uh, so we won't expect anything to change. So anymore. that means that Mike Smith can play for us this yeah, year? Yeah, exactly. Mark Stone is healthy. Uh, actually, it does mean Mike Smith could be your third <laughs> goaltender on your roster. I'm just can saying. Imagine he comes yeah. back. Anyway, <laughs> both you, the guys get injured and like Mark's, third round. Mike Smith's your Mike guy. Golden Knights, <laughs> Jets. Do the Jets have enough uh, to to overcome what has been one of the best teams in the West all year? You asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. Yes. Okay. I think they're going to catch Vegas flat footed. Interesting. And I think that uh, the Jets have had enough uh, of an angry coach <laughs> to spark something happening. I think, uh, I mean, there's some crazy talents. And like you just said, who's the second best goalie right now? Very likely Connor Hollebuck. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's, I did, that's definitely, I did not want the Oilers to win the division. Yeah. yeah. I did not want to see Hollebuck in the first round. I agree with you. He can steal a series. Yeah. And, that, and that Jets team, so go back cool. and look at that team, the, the game they played against Minnesota, right? They are going to physically punish the mm-hmm. Golden Knights. And we've played the Golden Knights a few times and seen that they can get pushed around. Right, they have some big guys, but they are not a overtly physical team. And I think the Jets could do to they them what they did to us a few years ago, which is surprising. Quick right now. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if that's- well, and 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 Thompson, but 
Thompson, yeah. Who went to the All-Star game for them. Yeah, it depends who's healthy, right? Because they've had a goalie carousel. All right, what was the series you had Uh, that? I'm going to say six. Six. Uh, Elliot. Uh, I disagree with you guys wholeheartedly. (laughs) I don't think this is close. The Vegas Golden Knights are going to destroy Winnipeg. Winnipeg looks shaky at best heading into the playoffs. Um, So I'm going to take the Golden Knights in five, which is disappointing and not good for the Oilers. I have the Golden Knights in seven. I think that the Winnipeg Jets at least keep them uh, in a series. I think that there are some tight games. We've seen how Vegas can be beat if you play them a very specific way. And I also think that going back to what I said earlier about the Dallas Stars and Calgary, where Calgary went into last year's playoffs, do not forget, as like another pro- like very, very um, high expectations that they were going to go in a long run. Right. They had played a really good series season and they went in there with all the expectations that they were going to be one of the teams to beat until they caught up to uh, Colorado in the final, like this Western Conference finals. Like there was a lot of pressure expectations on them and they got pummeled by the Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars, former coach, now coaches the Winnipeg Jets. This is a team that's well coached, well prepared. Mm-hmm. They're going to go out there. They've got a good goaltender. I, I think it's a seven. I still think the Golden Knights pull it out. I don't think it's I don't think it's a short one. I think this is this is going to be a trench warfare kind of thing where we're going to have like overtime games and some tight fights. Let's see. Seattle Kraken, Colorado Avalanche. They go Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> Poor guys. Colorado wins uh, the uh, Central Division, so they get to play the Wild Card team from the other division, which of course is a perfect example why the division system is completely flawed and broken in the NHL. At least they're not too far. The away. travel is so stupid. There's <laughs> no reason that, that the Golden Knights should be playing Winnipeg and the Avalanche should be playing the Kraken. It does not make sense. I'm sorry. Anyway, that's who. That's what's happening. We have the Stanley Cup defending champions, as banged up as they are, Landis Hogs now out for the year, Oof. versus the Kraken, the plucky upstarts who made it in. After a pretty good year, really good year. Elliot, who do you have? Uh, I have Colorado. I I just don't think Seattle's quite there yet. I, I'm really happy that they're in the playoffs and they're going to get around, uh, but that's all they'll get. I'm going to take Colorado in five. They also, Colorado knows how to win, right? That is true. I think Colorado also sneaks through this series, but I think it's six games. I think the Kraken do have some talent there, and I think that they have the opportunity to win some hockey games. And the, the fans in Seattle deserve that. They had a great year. Uh, they get their first playoff taste, and I think that it'll be a good one. I think that the Colorado sneaks it out in seven, six. Then you want to hear a joke? Yeah, I think it'll be the Kraken. That was the joke. I think it will be seven games, though, and Colorado will win. All right, there we go. That is our rundown. Any last thoughts or questions, comments, concerns concerning the playoffs? Is there a coach right now that is at risk of losing their job? From a, a a round one exit, yeah, in Toronto, Toronto for sure. Tampa, no, no. He He's won them three Stanley, <laughs> yeah, four four Stanley Cup appearances oh, in five years. <laughs> no, I do think that uh, if the goaltending, uh, pardon me, if the general manager goes in Toronto, the coach goes too. Yeah, I think Shanahan is the only one safe in that back office. And he gets one more chance to build a team underneath it. I mean, coaching staff wise, but I think Sheldon Keefe and um, what is it? Dundas. What's his name? Du- uh, Dubis. Dubis. They're dubious at this point. Yeah. Elliot, do you have a thought on that before we wrap it up? Yeah, I don't know. Let's just wait to see what happens with Toronto before we do predictions as to what's going to happen. Cause I'm not convinced the general managers of if they lose in the first round this year. Um. 
No, I think everyone's pretty secure. I, I think mean, you made the playoffs, pretty- right? You gotta, you gotta feel good about that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Are there any of these teams that are blow it up if it doesn't go well, like team wise? Maybe the Jets, because they were kind of already there. Well, they weren't really expected it. to be there, here. There was like a strong push for it. I think, yeah, maybe you see the like Panthers kind of try something yeah. different. The Stars too, with yeah, with with how they. But I think for the most part, everybody's. I mean, you made it to the dance. Something's exactly. working, right? So yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we will find out very shortly. Uh, within the next. 48 hours, 24 hours. Woo! We're going to get some playoff hockey going. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. We'll be back next week to tell you how we were all wrong and what all, all of these series look like after two or three games have been played. Uh, all right, that is topic two. Hey, I'm Sayer, and I love Marvel. And I'm Kaylee, and I love someone who loves Marvel. <laughs> And we're watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, in release order. There's another order. For Kaylee's first time. And Sayers 85th. <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find MCU. And me! Sayers Obsessed! And Kaylee's the best! MCU and me! Okay. We're gonna go to top... Sorry, are you folding more laundry now? Yeah, I, I found some more. I found some more. Jeez, he's running a laundromat. Um, all right. Topic three here. We're going to try to keep this brief because we've, if you're still listening, God bless you. Um, uh, baseball's back, Braden <laughs> and Elliot. I know both of you are very excited. So I'm going to give you both an opportunity to uh, revel in the early spring of uh, baseball, which I know is always a lot of fun. Um, but I have actually, I do have one question and I'll start with Braden. I have nothing prepared for the, uh, Padres, Elliot. I have no idea how their season's going. Didn't even Google it. So you're going to have to give us your Padres report here in a second, but I do have a question for Braden about the blue Jays. And this is not an original question. It's a question I heard on another show and got a very like wishy-washy bad answer from the guest. So I want a proper blue Jays fan to be able to answer this for me. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with Alex Manoa? Alec. Alec Manoa. That would be the first step. Well, I've can. never seen the guy. I wouldn't even be able to pick him out of a police lineup, honestly. I wouldn't know him from a baseball player from... from wrong with him. Well, early, he's struggling. Early, early in the jitters. season, struggling, right? Early season jitters. The Blue Jays are relying on, on their pitching to really be a big piece this year, right? Last year. All right, so... They've, they've improved their pitching. They have, and it's showing. The back end is there. They've got a consistent closer, probably one of the best closers in the league, consistently. Um, some of the some of the guys like Kikuchi, who was really struggling all season last year, has had some very very good turnouts. Alec Manoa is not a guy that we should be worrying about. I think that we have the offense to be able to, you know, like pull pitchers out of bad situations throughout the season, and we found ourselves both both the games. So Alec Manoa's first game was against. Can't quite remember, but it was the opener, St. Louis. Yeah. And St. Louis is one of the best teams this year, I think. And they just faced his second or third start was against Tampa Bay, which is just now coming off of a, a, a like a um, league record, a league record season versus season, season start. Well, so they broke that up, though, didn't they? The Jays did twice in a row. And then the third game uh, was a poor outing from Alec Manoa, but also the rest of the offense. So I, I, I don't know. I think that's too much. He's played two or three games. I think there's a long way to go for a guy who was a Cy Young finalist last year and an all-star. Okay. He, he's so, guy. They're ace. so 
before we get to Elliot and his Padres, really quickly here, early season assessment report card. You've come out of spring training. The Blue Jays are what they are right now. Where are your expectations for them it's for the season? It's going to be a very fun season. They're, they don't have they they haven't had a guy in the outfield like Kevin Kiermaier in a long time. Uh, his his defense like they moved an all star center fielder and George Springer over to right field or uh, over to right field because they had a guy like Kevin Kiermaier. Now the the addition of Dalton Varsho in in left um, he's a left hitter. Kiermaier's a lefty as well. Like they've added some incredible speed. Both of those guys are really great throughout the lineup on the bases. Um, their hitting percentage is good. Boba Fett's the highest. He's got the highest. Batting Boba Fett plays well. Boba Fett's got the highest uh, batting average. Wow. Right now, um, he's allowed to wear the whole like Mandalorian outfit. Or he's a he's a he's a pretty impressive Jedi out there. Oh, he's a bounty hunter. Um. Anyway, uh, Elliot. That's enough about the Blue Jays. That's enough about the Blue Jays. <laughs> no, it's going to be we a really have... exciting season. No, no, no. And the there's, clock... there's a hot dog teeter-totter in the ballpark. Did you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> now I do. Fantastic <laughs> news. Are they selling pickles on sticks yet? No, just hot dogs. Ah, Tim will be devastated. Be exciting. There's a really long callback for those dedicated listeners there. Pickles on a stick. All right, Elliot. Uh, tee us up here. Tee us up? No, that's golf. Uh, uh your balls are up, Elliot. We have baseball being played in San Diego by some uh, swinging friars. What's your preseason into the beginning of the regular season evaluation and report card for your beloved Padres? Here's what I would say to both of you. I think we have essentially in the baseball season played the equivalent of what would be in the NFL one week of games. So it is still very, very, very early to be making any determinations about anything. Alec Manoa, the Blue Jays, Padres. That being said, the pardon. That being said, the sky is falling in San Diego. The team is eight and nine. Everyone expects them to be much better than they were have been as to this point. And there's some concerns about pitching, which was their strong suit last year. Um, that being said, it's uh, everything's always kind of calamitous in San Diego. San Diego's very uh, San Diego treats the Padres very much the way the Edmonton treats the Oilers, in that it's like when it's high, it's really high, and when it's low or average, it's really low. And so I think like that it's we're still sort of sorting things out. Tatis is coming back, Soto's sort of figuring it out. That this team is better than the one that played last year, and the one that played last year, we all know what it did uh, into the off season. So, I think we're there. It's just it's a little too early to 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 tell. What I love is the impact that these new rules in baseball have had. Uh, it's finally bearable to watch baseball again. Uh, I've been watching. I watched parts of all three Jays games this weekend. Um, and enjoyed it while I was doing it. Um, please the other thing you, is, please tell me when you say that you don't mean you watch parts of Jays and Thirty, like five minutes. No, 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 no. I watch parts of the game. Parts of the game. No, I watch parts of parts of the game. Um, I imagine Jays and Thirties become a lot easier to cut up now too. Yeah, no, so I, there's a lot more excitement. I think there's far less throwing the ball directly to and the back and forth between the pitcher and the first baseman trying to pick someone off way more. Their steals are up. 
the game is going faster. All of the intended consequences have been ha, ha, have occurred in the major leagues, and I think it's great for baseball. I think it was the perfect time for the rule change coming off. The excitement of baseball's back, baby. Nice. All right. Well, uh, we've got another four or 500 games to be played for each of these two teams throughout the rest of the season in the world's longest and most drawn out season of sports. So we'll have lots of time to talk about it soon. We have lots of time to talk about the NHL playoffs. Hopefully lots of time to talk about the Oilers in the playoffs because uh, we all have our fingers and our toes and every other part of our body. You can cross crossed, hoping that it is a fun and long spring of Oiler hockey. Thank you everybody for listening. We really do appreciate it as always. If you haven't already, please subscribe, share it with a friend, pass it along. Uh, if you haven't already, so you should check out the, Ed, the, the Oilers hype video that we did here. I know Elliot and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We're up to almost 45,000 views. So if you're one of the uh. many people who have uh, taken the time to watch it. Uh, thank you. Watch it, uh, watch it again. Share it with your friends. It'll get you all psyched up and ready to go for round one of the playoffs. And uh, who knows? If we keep going to the playoffs, maybe some more videos appear. No promises. It's up to the Oilers players right now. that They, they determine everything for us and a lot of our emotional state for the rest of the month of uh, April into May, maybe June. Okay, that's it for us. Thank you. And that was Hatcher. Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.